All right, welcome to Pim Pim Pals episode 19. I'm Ben. And I'm Alex. Um, yeah, and we got a kind of special episode. We're trying something new out. Um, so you'll be able to kind of watch along with us and we're going to commentate on top of the audio from the episode. But before we get to that, is there a Pen Pen Pals, a PP Pals Pod, Peapod update? <laughs> yes, just a little one so that we can move right along. But the second set of peas has sprouted from the ground. And I'm very excited that they will grow into stocks before they die. Nice. And how about, is there a Pen Pen Pals or PP Pals podcast update? Anything new on the radar? Um, I guess this is the closest thing to an update. I don't know if it's necessarily a recommendation, um, but I'd seen some stuff on Twitter about Dax Shepard, who runs a, a very popular podcast, Armchair Expert. Part of his brand is that he has been, uh, he used to be an alcoholic, he used to do cocaine, he's been sober for 16 years but he just revealed recently that actually he's been struggling with a painkiller addiction too and then kind of feeling very guilty about being a sober inspiration to people but but having to lie and and hide things and uh, it's something that podcasts can do very well sometimes which is like allow for a very like in the moment uh, vulnerable conversation while someone's kind of actively figuring something out and so it's i think him talking to one of his assistants and uh yeah it's was, it was pretty interesting yeah that sounds awesome uh pretty pretty common story uh getting off of a drug and finding something like prescribed to you by your doctor or something to be equally or more addictive so that's the podcast update so what happened last week? Well, last time on Ava's of Our Lives, Tozi Suzuhara became the fourth children and was authorized to pilot Ava Unit 03. Due to the presence of an angel, Unit 03 began terrorizing Japan, a favorite pastime of weapons sent from the United States. All three pilots launched to confront the American menace, and all three were incapacitated by their compassion. Gendo activated the dummy plug system for Unit 01 taking Shinji's Ava autonomy and forcing O-1 to pulverize O-3. This ended the battle in Nerve's favor, but at what cost to the pilot program? At what cost to Shinji? And this time on episode 19, A Man's Battle. Distraught after the battle, Shinji vows to never pilot an Ava again and quits Nerve once more. Just as he's about to leave, another angel attacks. Hmm. Yeah, and so in, in some ways this is kind of like a weird contrast to, what was that episode? Three? Oh, where he runs away the first time? Yeah, which you were saying that was kind of added in later on, right? Yeah, I think it was originally slated to be an episode. From what I read, then they scrapped it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then deciding that they needed another episode with kind of a low animation budget, they re they rescripted it and then animated it to stick in the beginning of the series. I think it is good to kind of like... Yeah, I think it was good to help us bond with Shinji a little bit. Definitely, and it uh, it creates a nice contrast in this episode because the first time it was slow and somber, and then, you know, history repeats itself first as tragedy, then as farce. This time, we don't have the time to spend with him. We have to, because there's an emergency happening, because things have accelerated, because the roller coaster's already going down, we have to snap back to the battle, and, we, and Shinji has to make a faster decision than last time. Yeah, so it'll be kind of interesting to see, and maybe we can kind of compare and contrast more once we uh, get through this episode. Um, yeah, so we're going to be watching along with the audio, and then we're going to take a break at the halfway point, and then we'll kind of have more of a discussion at the end. Um, so you want to do three, two, one, play? You got it all queued up? 
I love it. Ready. All right, three, two, one. I can't believe this opening got past censors. I guess Japan's more liberal with their nudity on television, yeah. but it's just like a bunch of nude shots. It's, uh, it's like the Castlevania Symphony of the Night, like just naked ladies without nipples. <laughs> yeah. It's the nipples that makes it nudity, you know? Yeah, really, it is. It's that, uh, I don't know. Nipples are the conduit that delivers the eroticism from inside the body outside, right? Has, has anyone made like a sexy mecha? Yeah, like... there are. There is a there is a genre of uh, I don't know about mecha, but robots. Like there is Transformers uh, erotica. Hmm. I don't know that you could call it erotica. I guess pornography. But, but but it's like it's part of Transformers canon, or it's like oh, weird yeah. fanfic kind of stuff. There are lady Transformers that kind of look sexy. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. Linkage circuits with Unit 1 have been severed. Plug eject signal? It has been locked out by the pilot, sir. It hasn't been received. Listen, Shinji, if we hadn't done what we did, then you would have been killed. That doesn't matter. So we're at the uh, the Nerve headquarters. Um, and this is after, you know, last episode, um, they kind of took over Shinji's Ava. With it's the dummy very likely right? that we all could have yeah. been killed. I said that doesn't mean a damn thing to me. And I guess he just found out that Toji was in there too. Tried to kill Toji, yeah. and he used me to do it. Father, you're in there, aren't you? Say something, Father. Answer me. Increase LCL pressure to maximum. Sir. I don't have time for childish tantrums. I can still use my direct control, sir. So I guess the, the screen just went red with some like blood-like substance um, and then faded to black. And then we cut to, I guess, the wreckage from the Ava battle. And there's a, a ton of blood. I can do my work. That's all that matters right now. Masato's uh, arm is bandaged take it easy. It's in a sling. How's Shinji? They had to use a laser torch to cut through the emergency hatch. It's the only way they could remove him. This is a real mess, that's for sure. He's in real trouble this time. Now we cut back to the hospital. Uh, Asuka and Ray are talking outside of, uh, we assume, an operating room or something. Uh, Ray's arms have been hurt, and but Asuka seems to have minor injuries on her face. Uh, we know that Shinji is physically fine, and uh, Asuka asks Ray about dreaming, and it's like Ray's never had a dream. Like she doesn't understand the, the concept. Yeah, I was looking up if there's anything with, with autism and dreaming. Um, and people do maybe report dreaming less or dreaming less intensely, so maybe it's something with that. Hmm. Interesting. So Toji's in the hospital. 
uh, and he's he's recovering from his wounds. I think he maybe lost a leg uh, in that crushing incident. Then, go ahead. He, he was trying to figure out why Shinji was hurt, so it's kind of unclear maybe how much he saw or was aware of what happened. I couldn't forgive him for betraying me. Um, and so now they're on a train, and he's watching Ray talk to Shinji. Doesn't care about how I feel at all. Yeah, and is this some sort of a? I don't know, uh, uh, side effect of the, the Ava uh, uh, conditioning. Like, they both have been narrowly integrated with an Ava, so is it possible they could cross over into each other's dreams? Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's weird. Um, and we've, we've had a number of these kind of conversations on trains, right? And so is that Shinji talking to his Ava, and he's somehow yeah, also there? Some sort of collective unconscious thing. Hey, mm. class rep, what's up? Suzuhara, oh my gosh, are you right? class rep Hikari, she's so cool. Comes to check on uh, Toji through everything. Got like special permission from Nerve to come in and see him. Uh, so that means she used her class rep wiles to get past several layers of security, just talking her way there. But then, when he's like, why are you here? What are you doing here? Uh, oh, I'm just here for a Oh, she's embarrassed. It's nothing more than that, really, I swear. Oh, yeah. Right, I know that. It's funny, it seems almost mm. absurd, ludicrous, I'm like, watching sure. the scene. Like, why can't you just I say it? Say you yes. have feelings for each other. But, of course, <laughs> we have this perspective. If I was Hikari, I would feel the same way. I would get embarrassed. Hmm. Classroom. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, Isn't teenagers, man. Ask you to mm. do something. Sure. Can you tell my younger sister that I'm doing okay? This is just like okay. Rejection hurts so much. Come out, that age. Yeah. The supreme and Toji still has this protector streak in him. All he really cares about is his sister. Yeah. So we see Shinji is in these like triple handcuffs, um, and now he's started. He's standing in uh, Gendo's office. Yes. And it's got all of that. There's Kabbalah designs and stuff. I don't want to be here anymore. Then get out. Hmm. Shinji says he doesn't want to pilot it anymore. And it sounds like he's not unsure. It sounds like he made this decision. Uh, he's sure of it. And it doesn't matter that Gendo says he's disappointed. He's resolved to his uh, the decision he made. And I, I support him for one. <laughs> We, and we've got that shot there. So it's Gendo at his desk, and then the reflection of it, and it forms this like black star of David, um, mm. which is oh, you know, cementing him as like the Yahweh figure. Mm. Yeah, so it's Ano playing with religious imagery again, and, and kind of going into him maybe being this kind of Old Testament godlike figure. Um, mm. And then now we have Shinji at home. He's covering one eye. It's kind of the Odin thing. And he's staring oh. up at the ceiling, looking at this cross, basically, in a, in a bright light. Um, hmm. Man, it's everywhere in this episode, the imagery. Hey, Shinji, is it true you're leaving Tokyo 3? It's true, isn't it? Oh, this phone call is Kensuke. you leaving now? I was so jealous of you. I was green with envy. You're so different from us. Damn it. Even Toji got to pilot an Ava. 
And here I am. <laughs> it's not the best dialogue, or I guess monologue. It's a, it's a little uh, uh, explanatory. I'm missing that word right now, but uh, yeah, it does get a, a feeling across of hopelessness of people who will miss she didn't Shinji. Even ask me to tell you goodbye. That yeah. sounds like her. So now we're at the uh, the train station. Shinji is having a distant conversation from Misato. I can't do that. I think you know this already, but your life is going to be restricted in various ways from now on. <laughs> his life is going to be restricted. He knows. He just had one of his phone calls monitored. And <laughs> silence. Was Toji chosen to be the fourth children? Every single one of your classmates were candidates in the fourth round of selections for Ava pilots. I just found out recently that it had all been prearranged. All of them? Everyone in my class? Nothing I could say would be enough to make amends for how we failed Toji. But Shinji, to be honest, I pinned all my hopes, aspirations, and sense of purpose on you. And I know that's been a terrible burden for you. But we, all of us at Nerv, we had to entrust our future to you. Maybe that's why all the classmates are so skinny. Because they had to fit into a plug suit. <laughs> yes, I'm aware. I'm not going to change your HQ passcode, and I'll leave your room just as it is. Don't bother. Please get rid of everything. I won't ever pilot a Neva again. Hmm. So Misato kind of holds out hope, but Shinji's really, really assertive, really at peace with his decision. Yeah. Yeah, and there, that thing of her being like, he spoke to me more assertively. You know, feels to me a little bit, it's uh, telling rather than showing, you know? Yeah, that's what I was trying to come up with before, exactly. Uh, there's a small <laughs> typo. <laughs> Emergency is spelled E-M-A-R. Oh, are we uh, pausing? Oh. Yeah, sure, let's pause. I guess you were saying with both that Kensuke Ida conversation and then Misato reflecting on her conversation with Shinji, yeah, what's that called? Exposition. Yeah, it's a little bit exposition-y, a little bit um, telling as opposed to showing. And maybe for a, uh, you know, something aimed at teens, or at least that some of your audience is going to be younger, people won't mind you spelling things out as much. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, and with as, as intricate uh, a planner as Anno seems to be, uh, it may be that the crew or he himself decided that they just don't have the time to reveal these things slowly and uh, through real, you know, character development through dialogue. Uh, and so they, they just want to make sure, <laughs> you yeah. know, like, and then Masato just comes out and says it. Um, and any other thoughts from the episode so far? It just moves so quickly. Like we got to the, the midway point. I was like, oh, right. We, we have to, we're going to do this thing. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and that's, I don't know, just reinforcing, we've, we've had episodes in the past where we take a lot of time to sit with these beautiful shots or to sit with these characters and their, their problems, their emotions. And now it's like, there is no time anymore. Like mm. the revolution has started. The, the end game is here. And so we're going to lose more and more of that time. We're going to feel like everything is speeding up. Yeah. I'm trying to remember, is that at the end of this episode or at the end of the last episode when they're like, it's starting or whatever? Oh, at the end of this episode. Is that then? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Spoilers. Uh, will say <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is, I think, kind of like the the beginning of the, the last act of this show. Um, I think we're going to have more and more revelations and things are going to get more intense. Um, three, two, 
one, play. Oh, so this is our next angel, uh, Zerulio, uh, and kind of like that video game trope of uh, like a boss having all the powers of the bosses you fought before. Because we see this first, like he's got the cross explosions, yeah. just like the first angel, Sakeo. 18 layers of special armor destroyed in an instant. It's got a little bit of that vibe too that you sometimes see in anime of like the floating Batman who like his limbs don't move and he just like oh yeah like he's really casual seeming but like super deadly. Where's unit zero? Almost like uh, kind of similar to the. There's another floating fat man in Cowboy Bebop. That's very like that too. It's childlike and yeah, very disconcerting. All right. So something just happened to Ray. So they tried to to connect her to Shinji's Ava. Um, and it just didn't work at all. She started almost vomiting. Mm, Ikari. Yes. Trying to refuse me. Hmm. And Gendo thinks that it's it's not refusing Ray, it's refusing him. Have Ray launch in unit zero. Hmm. Deploy the dummy plug for unit one. So maybe in the same way Shinji didn't want to fight anymore, that Ava doesn't want to mm. fight anymore. Even if I die, I can be That makes sense. Oh. Ray is acutely aware of her the non-permanence of her mortality. Not for her individual consciousness, but like, there are others to replace her. Yeah. One more hit and all our armor will be destroyed. I'm counting on you, Asuka. Yeah, so I guess with Shinji gone and, and Rei getting rejected by the Ava. That's um, awesome. We, we just have Asuka, and so the um, the angel now has entered the geo front. Just slowly, calmly, floating down to the ground as it fired off. Next. I love this. So there's often depictions of like a field of swords or a field of weapons, right? To be a bunch of vanquished enemies from the past. But now we get like a bunch of weaponry stuck into the ground and Asuka actually uses most of them. It's awesome. Yeah, it's just like the convenient place to store it. It's just sticking into the ground. Yeah. And you can feel that frustration of hers. Cause she's really trying. She's really, and just nothing is working. Yeah, so we got these like kind of like papery whips that are, I guess, a little bit like those laser whips in the earlier Ava. Yeah, Shamsha. Ooh. So I guess they severed the neural connections just in time before oh, she got so her she head taken off. Experience that too, in addition to feeling her arms as if they're gone. So. <laughs> yeah. This feels a little bit on the nose to me. So Shinji's in the evacuation center, and then like the head lands right next to him. Yeah. Unit two is too damaged to fight. How's Asuka? She's all right. She's alive. I mean, all right is a relative term, but. Damn you! The angel's moving again. What is the status of Unit one? So there is this uh, kind of Initiate parallel between Asuka, Ray, and the angels that they are. Wholly focused on, especially Ray, wholly focused on their objective, right? Uh, 
kind of kind of tropey that it doesn't kill Asuka in the Ava. Uh, you know, it feels like, oh, she's alive so that, uh, so that, you know, we can keep her as a character, but it is un, it doesn't care about you. It doesn't care about killing them. That's not the objective. Yeah. Just needs to disable mm. it. This part I think is interesting that we have all these shots going off. But I think the sound effects, it's literally like fireworks, right? Same thing to you. Mm. So it does sort oh, of yeah. look like fireworks, but then the sound too. I decided to never pilot a Neva again. Yeah. I see. It is a repeated animation. Shinji's randomly run into Kaji next to the uh, the watermelon stand <laughs> or watermelon garden. I want Kaji to have a watermelon stand where he hawks I mean, his produce. My head on Misato's bosom would be nice too, but I want to be here when I die. Hmm. Yes. If an angel ever comes into contact with Adam that sleeps underneath us, it's believed the third impact would occur and mankind would perish. The only way to stop it is by relying on something with the same powers as the angels, the Evangelions. Ray, but she doesn't have a rifle. Mm. So Ray, armless while one armed, uh, still refuses to give up. Uh, tries something radical in order to, and like, to her credit and to the the creator's credit, like they do let it do something. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't vanquish the Ava, but she does get through an AT field. She does, and she is surprised by an additional layer of defense that previous angels have not had. This this protective covering over the core. Yeah. So, so Gendo and Ritsuko seem surprised. So I guess she just um, mm -hmm. took that upon herself. Yeah, I don't know where she would grab an N2 mine from. Here so she's like, even if I die, I'm replaceable. You can do something. Can be done. That but it's like, did she just? Launch the Ava herself? It's gonna yeah, maybe. You. you need to think about it and decide. Figure out what you need to do right now. So you don't have any regrets later. Kaji talked about wanting to be here when he died, which is kind of a subtle message to Shinji, right? Like, where do you want to be when you die? Do you want to be sitting here with me? Or do you want to be inside that thing that mm. only you can pilot? No! The main shaft is totally exposed! What about Unit 1? Dummy plug refused! The final refusal, Ava 1 will not pilot launch Keep without trying. Ava. Start again Ginger. from 108. Let me get yeah. Please. Please. Let me pilot Unit 1 again! Father. So this is a lot like Episode 1, where after seeing Hurt Ray. He agrees to oh, yeah. pilot the Ava. And again, he's like looking up at Gendo, almost praying. Yeah. Because and we have this hand thing. I'm the pilot. The clenched I'm hand, deciding to I'm fight. Yeah. The angel is entering the main shaft. And whether it's desperation or uh, respect of this newfound assertion, but uh, Gendo Evacuate apparently lets him get inside All of the Ava. Yeah. Well, he doesn't have any choice either, right? The dummy yeah. plug won't work. 
Yeah, and so kind of like we felt when it entered the geo front, like oh shit, like the the angel's gotten farther than they've ever gotten before. But now it's all the way yes, in your HQ. And to have an Ava inside of Central Dogma is awesome. Just to see, like, they have all these people, yeah. all this technology uh, making the Avas work, but just one Ava or Angel inside of it could wreck it in a second. The insignificance of man. Gendo is just, like, standing there, like, unfazed, yeah. even as, like, he gets coated in blood. Oh, and you gotta... I really love the nerve technicians, because even though they almost just died, they stay at their posts and they're able to launch, they're able to launch like that yeah. bay to get Shinji and the Angel out of Central Dogma and up into the Geoplan. And that is like a super smart move of Shinji's, right? Because we've seen that often when these things die, they explode. Right. Oh, so if he had taken care of it right there, it still could have been for naught. They'd blow up the entire facility and then the next Angel would just saunter in. Yeah. Unit one has reached its operational limit. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, the beginning of this episode, they do remind us that they have this time limit, right? When he's like down in the base mm. threatening to wreck it. Um, you know, he's like, oh, I still have a minute left or whatever. But then at this point, like, at least I had completely forgotten that that was like a possibility. And then I was like, no. <laughs> What does this reveal? It doesn't look exactly the same, but that looks like an angel core. Maybe telling us that they're not as separate as we would think. Yeah, and I guess Misato was confused for Ritsuko. Please move! Move it right now! You gotta move! Gotta do this right now! Or else everyone's gonna Anymore. So please move already. Oh, we get this water imagery again, which is like the consciousness of the Ava coming out of that sunken place, waking up. Hello there. No, I just saw this shot of like, hey, come here. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, the fact that the arm that comes out is like human. This unit one synchronization rate has topped over 400%. It's happening after all. She's awake. This is the first time we've explicitly gendered the Avers, right? I think that's probably true. And then this, like, simian, baboon, or chimp-like. Yeah, it's crawling around. Very, uh, exorcist. Very possession. But it's funny, it's like a reverse possession. It's like a body gaining control over itself again. And what we thought was normal movement was actually an imposed uh, normal speed. Eating an angel. 
Is Ava Unit 1 able to ingest the S2 drive on its own? And I don't know how I feel about this exposition yet. I'm sure I will, maybe in the next episode, uh, where Ritsuko explains, like, is this, by asking a question, explains what's happening. Mm. Uh, which, like, I don't know. I feel like we kind of got what was happening. Oh, well, I didn't know it had, like, an S2 drive, you know? Restraints are... Restraints? That's correct. Those aren't just armored plates. Those are restraints we attach to keep the true powers of the Ava at bay. It's breaking free. I feel like Ritsuko would get reprimanded for revealing all of this to the rest of the crew. She's been holding it secret for too long, you know? A great relief. Perhaps Ritsuko is having an awakening of her own. Commander Ikari. It has begun. Correct. Everything I like that Gendo has not had time to wash his face. Uh, just leaves the blood there. Which kind of further solidifies him as uh, this Yahweh figure because the blood is like a sacrifice to him. Mm. So of course he wouldn't clean it off. That's interesting. And then we have now the, the credits in black and white this time with uh, pink text. So the last time the, the moon was a different color, it was pretty subtle. But then uh, this one is very apparent. I wonder, I wonder what episode that other time the moon was different was. Like if that was about a third of the way through the show. Now we're about two thirds of the way. Actually, it's almost exactly a third of the way through. Yeah. It's episodes seven and eight, hmm. uh, which would be about a third of the twenty-six episode, uh, a little under. So I wonder if they did kind of separate the overall story into three arcs. That makes sense. You kind of establish the world in the first third, and then you develop the relationships between the pilots and characters in the second third. Yeah. Uh, and then in the last one, they're like, all right, we have our explanations now. Plot, 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 plot. I'm trying to remember, there's this like, Ira Glass has like a structure that he really likes, However, this American Life guy that um, he feels he like subconsciously based on, um, what's it called, Fiddler, uh, Fiddler on the Roof in this little town of Anatevka. Yeah, and so it's, I think the general model is it starts small and funny and then it gets tragic in act two and then in act three it gets really big. It's what started as this very small story has like huge significance. Right. Yeah. This isn't quite that, but. Uh, well, I mean, it definitely shares some of those characteristics. And I wonder if that's a pattern that you'll find in just tons of art or expression. I think so. I mean, at least that part about starting small, I think, because you just need to like wrap your head around it. Right. So kind of focusing on one character at first and then kind of developing out more characters in the world a little later on. You see that a ton anyway. Definitely. And then the bigness, you know, you you develop more characters, you make it uh, and introduce this like tragedy thing. And then you weave all of those pieces together. And it's it feels like even though you're only doing it bit by bit, it feels like a tapestry coming together and you feel like everything's connected. Hmm. Yeah, I did get that a lot from uh, uh, NPR stuff, uh, especially this American Life stuff that I used to listen to. Yeah. And you have mixed feelings about this American Life, right? Uh, yeah, I think it maybe plays too much on that formula. And so it ends up uh, not trivializing things, but I, I don't agree with, a, I guess I don't agree with a lot of the perspectives it takes. 
uh, it is really, it's really solid work. It's very compelling journalism. Uh, and I guess that's kind of what makes it compelling, right? Is it's like somewhere between journalism and storytelling. Yeah, or, or kind of like personal essay, memoir kind of. Like often it'll be the ref- reporter reflecting on this story or, or talking about what the story made them think about. And, and so, yeah, so then they do end up kind of imposing their view or, or finding some message to take away from it, which, you know, is, is a little bit constructed, is a little bit manufactured, but you hope at least they're being honest. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, it's like their truth. And I, I kind of do trust them to do that. I guess I trust any journalist storyteller to do that, that I'm listening to. And when that trust is broken, that's when I stop listening to them. But, uh, uh, I feel like, uh, I guess you could call it liberal media, like, uh, MSNBC, CNN, and, and kind of farther left and, and better NPR, that kind of thing, public, uh, uh, media. It has this, uh, bar it tries to reach of being, uh, fair or being like unbiased. And it's this, Im- I think it's this impossible bar to reach. Yeah. And so I think it hamstrings a lot of that. Uh, coverage because it's assuming that they will get criticism from the right. And yeah, of course they were going to get criticism from the right. So stop trying to appease them and instead unapologetically say what you think is correct. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. There is this kind of struggle of if there's an issue where one opinion really is correct, like, do you still want to present the other opinion? Because that's like, those are the people that you have to convince like this is how they're thinking about it and that Mm. you know like knowing that knowing where those people are coming from is still like part of solving the problem even if they're just wrong (laughs) unfortunately yeah but oh and i totally agree knowing where they're coming from uh and i don't pretend to you know know how to do any of this stuff that's just kind of the opinion i formed with my media consumption yeah yeah it's hard i don't know yeah, it's hard, but then like, God, I, I feel like even like, you know, the most basic shit, like just like wear a mask, don't put other people at risk. <laughs> like we can't even agree on like that shit. Like it's, I don't know, man. So uh, yeah, I just saw a report on uh, right-wing figures trying to kind of walk that back in order to, you know, actually promote public health. And they're having all this backlash from their supporters or their listeners mm. who are like, you can't talk about wearing a mask. That's un-American. And you're like, oh no, we've taken it too far. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. You, you were saying you wanted to talk a little more about the, the angel and stuff? So this one is Zeruel. Uh, let's say Zeruel. And I'll probably say it wrong in the actual episode, but that's okay. Uh, and it translates to the arm of God and the angel of strength, which both apt and a little tongue-in-cheek, right? Because it is, like, the strongest direct combat angel we have seen yet. Uh, far surpasses any of the others. Uh, even, like, the huge one, Gagea, like, it is far more capable of. Uh, but also, it has... Or the arm of God. It's funny because it has these uh, iconic arms that kind of unfold, and then they become more, like, almost like liquid metal or, like, paper. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's strange that Ava 01 uses the arm it rips off of this angel to reconstruct its own arm. So this whole arm of God thing has a couple of different meanings. Uh, it's designed by Yoshido Asari, who also designed 
Sakael and Shamshel. So it's got kind of that same humanoid but not quite look, which really triggers our uncanny valley. Like you were saying, the floating fat man thing does the same thing. Whenever something is moving with, it seems like it's moving as it's directing itself, but with little to no effort or no visual effort. It's yeah. very disconcerting to us. Yeah, yeah, and like it's in kind of like total control and but like I think that that kind of like plays into this thing of like, you know, just like the like a human who just like like if you're like firing at some guy and they're just like standing there like stoic and then they just like lift up their arm and like shoot it, you're like fucked, like this dude's oh, stone no. cold. <laughs> I think it's like kind of that, right? Yeah. And they're you know, it is storytelling, so they have to that's a really effective way of building this thing up as a real threat. Uh, and they do that. They do these things to make you think it's a badass before the the immediate danger happens. Like we see uh, Ray and Asuka both fail to stop it. And then it goes into the central dogma. You see it like with this, oh my gosh, how awesome is that shot? Like we didn't, I was kind of talking over it. I wish I had mentioned it, but this giant mask yeah. face, like staring at these tiny little ant people. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it uses that, uh, those encounters to build up the terror and the, uh, the I don't know, unease of this entity, this angel, and then it puts people actually in danger and shows you, hey, now is the time, like this is the, the moment of conflict. This is the, the crisis moment that this episode has been building up to. Uh, yeah, it doesn't seem to move on its own. It just levitates, which I assume is from its exceedingly powerful AT field. Uh, and it has this oversized core uh, it seems a lot bigger in comparison to the other angels that have visual cores. And that may be a subtle nod to like how powerful it is or why it's able to fire off so many cross explosions and whatnot. Uh, and the last thing I had was that its body kind of looks like a coffin. Hmm. And I looked at the redux, like, you know, in the, in the follow-up movies or the redo movies, the angels often get a, a redesign and they go further with that uh. idea that it looks like, it looks much more like a coffin and the only distinguishing feature at first, at least, is just the mask, which looks like, you know, it's like a face, but it also, I think, really resembles a death mask, which is not something that's very common in society anymore, but used to be very common to make a mask of a deceased person. What is a death mask? Uh, so you, it's a plaster mold you make of a, uh, someone's face to keep after they are dead uh, as like a mm. memento. I was going to say, it does look a little bit like a, a skull, too. Like it has these kind mm. of like sunken eye cavities and like the Ava faces look a little bit like skulls, especially like their mouths and stuff like that, like kind of, but, but then they have these eyes. So we don't get kind of like the full skull imagery um, from them. But, but yeah, so I guess maybe, you know, I don't know if that's just a way to subconsciously make this thing more terrifying is by playing with this like death imagery or if it's kind of supposed to represent death in some way. We do have those that conversation between Shinji and um, uh, what's the name Kaji about like where do you want to be when you die and and so maybe this is Shinji kind of forced to confer to forced to confront his fear of death um, and you know he says he he doesn't want to pilot it because they made him kill or almost kill Toji. Um, I mean he gets back in it because. You know, the, essentially, if he were to continue to pilot it, the risk is that uh, he will have to kill people, humans again, uh, against his will or accidentally. And so he, his decision to get back in it again is 
he has this strong thing that he's at peace with of, I don't want to kill any more people or I don't want to kill people. And so I am not doing this, but the risk to the people of Tokyo three of nerd and to the people he knows directly becomes so great that it overrides his, like yeah. you could say he's wishy-washy or flip-floppy, but I don't think he is at all. It makes perfect sense to me. They, they really laid out the scenario so that he really has no choice. It's completely logical and emotionally driven that he makes that choice to get back in the Avon. And I think you're so right with the death imagery. Like even we can't, it is like a grim reaper more than anything else we've seen in the series. Hmm. It doesn't carry a sight, but its arms are just like a sight, you know, they're meant for cutting down and reaping. Hmm. And, and I guess, yeah, we, he also, you know, like Asuka's Ava gets decapitated. He sees yeah. that. He sees like the people who are all helpless and afraid in the, the shelter. And then Kaji tells him, it, it's a little bit like the, you know, the, the only thing, needed for evil to prevail is for like good people to do nothing right it, it's it's like hey man if you don't stop this thing and it gets down there it's gonna be the end of humanity they say how <laughs> <laughs> oh, casually Kaji's like continuing to water as he explains this. just loves melons melons of all kinds he's like i don't care i'll be here with my melons when i die but you shinji you have a choice yeah and I, we had that call from kensuke earlier yeah so maybe that's the third conversation so we have ida Kensuke kind of like talk about how he was jealous because he was like the chosen one kind of. Then we had like Misato talk about how like it's unfair, but like, you know, like she had all her faith on him. And then Kaji being like, I don't know, man. Yeah. And he like kind of brushes those things to the side, right? Like Misato almost gives him permission to go, even though it's not, you know, he's made his decision. She does say this was unfair. And so she is like kind of, I don't know, telling him that she understands. It's a little bit like um, Watchmen too, right? Like Dr. Manhattan, it's like the power to do all this stuff. And then he's just like, whatever. Like, I'm going to Mars. I'm done with y'all. Oh, yeah. Like, what's the point of all of this? And, and there is that line from Shinji where he's like, I don't want everyone to die anymore. Which I think is like implying that like he had just been like thinking like, fuck it, like end the world. Like, and and you know, which which I guess in post-apocalyptic things is often like a theme of like, what's the point of like striving to survive if we're all like savages, like killing each other or something like that, you know? And, and maybe that's kind of the way he felt is like, like if, if you're just making me like, if, you know, if we're just sacrificing Toji and stuff like that, you know, like what's, what's the point of, of humanity? If, if this is kind of yeah. like what we are. Yeah, and if the people in charge are willing to take away other people's bodily autonomy to like get the job done, like how does that make us better? And maybe that's a, you know, a, a localized perspective thing to think that someone deserves something. But I mean, I don't know, we're kind of hardwired to think that way of like if the situation turned out the way that's fair or if it didn't. Yeah. Any other any other thoughts? No, uh, I actually really enjoyed this. Yeah. Uh, what do we What do we have planned for next week? Well, so next week we're going to have a uh, a two guest show, uh, which will be very exciting. And oh, great! That's the one we were talking about earlier. So that's Brian and his friend. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna have Brian back again and a new friend Ed, who I've met a couple of times. Uh, he's a big Ava fan and a huge anime buff. Otherwise, I think he works as a piano uh, uh, teacher so i don't know i'm really excited to take some time and uh, uh definitely excited to have uh, brian on again i know we get a lot out of those conversations yeah cool all right man 
Pen. Pen. Pals. Pod. Pod.